1: there Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy John of the Mac with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We continue to work our way through the dog days of August, but fear not, good content never stops. No, no, no. As Andrew looks longingly into the camera. Um, Today we got a
2: good episode (laughs) for you. you. You caught me admiring, not even admiring, just realizing my tan. That's all. That's what you were looking. Yeah, I don't look at myself literally ever, except when I'm on this podcast. We were, so oh, I, I was just looking. Oh, my gosh, I'm dark. I, I look like a Kardashian.
1: You, you are. I, I'm probably dark, too, because I was outside all day. Anyway, uh, our guest today, uh, first time guest, Jacob Rude. So Jacob Rood uh, covers the Lakers for Silver Screen and Roll, which is the uh, great SB Nation blog about the Lakers. Uh, I felt it was important to discuss an actual piece of news because uh, I don't think we've talked about it on the show, but news did drop a couple days ago that the Lakers had tried to perhaps get in on uh, trade discussions between the Jazz and the Knicks as a third team, perhaps finding a way to dump Russell Westbrook onto Utah uh, and perhaps getting some players from the Knicks. So we talked about every different kind of machination. Uh, we went through how certain Knicks would fit on the Lakers. We went through some possible trades and different things. What's going on in Laker land, how desperate they are to make a move, what alternative options they have. We, we went through it all. Uh, really good conversation if you want to know how the Lakers might factor into the Knicks offseason, which, of course, uh, is just never-ending. Uh, so I think that's it. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Jacob Root joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast first time guest happy to have him to uh commiserate about <laughs> another a different high profile team in a, in a major market that uh perhaps had a less than pleasant year um and uh yeah we're we're in the news together a little bit so we'll we'll get into all that um he is both a writer and a podcaster for silver screen and roll which of course is the uh lakers blog on SB Nation. Uh
3: Jacob rood what's going on man? How you doing? Hey, uh not much. Uh we're in the dog days of summer, so not a ton to talk about, but yeah, it was certainly an uh an interesting year for the Lakers and then a somehow even more interesting offseason. I
1: <laughs> Well, let's let's start I yeah, you know what? Let's start with the year because um for me when I think about the Lakers now, it, like everything kind of leads back to Russ because I just find yeah. the story to be a fascinating one. Um, and and I will fully admit as someone who has uh, whose team that they follow has been the car accident many times <laughs> over the last 20 years, as I travel down the roadway and I get to see another car accident, I'm like, Oh, look, that's not us i'm gonna look over there so um i i'll go back just like a year ago and i'll ask you like when you guys got russ like what was your what was your thinking at that time were you like for the move were you like you know iffy
3: um it it was mixed emotions i i didn't hate the move necessarily and i could see a pathway for it working i wasn't crazy about them uh, trading as many kind of contributing pieces as they did, but the Lakers have really wanted this three-star type of roster since Rob polink has gotten there really. So it kind of felt inevitable. So you kind of like talk yourself into it uh, again. I thought there was a path to success um, that really never formulated, but I mean, Russ is, you could talk yourself into it in L.A. because it was his hometown and it was he spent the sure. whole uh, kind of lead up to the season and whatnot talking about how he watched the Lakers parades in the early 2000s with Shaq and Kobe. He, he skipped out on school to go watch the parade. So it was pretty easy as Lakers fans to kind of talk yourself into this could be a really fun year and, and this could work. What we got was uh, neither fun nor something that worked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Listen, man, we uh we were not raising banners. But when when they I I still remember vividly when the Kemba news dropped and I was like, all right, I think I wrote a piece that day or the next day. <laughs> Finally, we have a point guard. You know, it was all, you know, it was all uh, gumdrops and candy canes for about. Two games, um, and then we lost to the magic, and then the rest of the season ensued. <laughs> anyway, uh, so things things did not go according to plan with Russ. Um, we don't have to talk about that anymore. So let's fast forward to the off season, which you referenced already. Uh, which, by the way, we're, I I don't think we we're going to spend too much time talking about it because I don't know if it's relevant to Knicks fans. But like, I thought you guys had a nice off season in terms of just like the the signings and whatnot. Were you were you pleased with the what
3: you guys did? Yeah. I mean, it definitely feels like they learned from the mistakes of last off where they signed <laughs> yeah. a a whole bunch of veterans and then they went 180 degrees the other way and signed a whole bunch of young guys, but, uh, the pieces seem to make sense. It, it filled some holes. It kind of goes with, uh, what Darwin ham had been talking about wanting to play a, a four out one in type of style. So, uh, it the pieces made sense and, and it's not a bunch of 35 year olds that are going to be incapable of playing back to back. So, uh, I guess baby steps in that regard.
1: Yeah. I, um, I'm really curious that I don't want to get off on a tangent. I'm curious to see how, how Lonnie Walker does. Cause mm-hmm. he's a guy that I had like wondered who, if, if someone was going to maybe take a chance on him with a significant payday and you guys got him on the, I think on the cheap. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm excited to see what he does. Anyway. Um, I digress. So when the off season started, which is, I guess now, I mean, Jesus, it's oh, it's been a while, several months mm-hmm. for both of us, were you, what was your expectation? If any, as far as like, they were going to try to move us, they were be successful. They would, they would try and fail. Like what, what was your mindset?
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, starting with Russ's exit interview, uh, it was pretty clear. This was pretty much completely untenable. What was, um, could you
1: just inform? Because I, I actually, mm-hmm. I, I vaguely remember it, but I don't remember specifics.
3: Yeah, he just threw everybody under the bus. Oh, <laughs> he okay. he uh, blamed Frank Vogel for various things, which at that point, Vogel was already fired. Uh, he spoke about LeBron and AD not letting Russ be Russ. He spoke about uh er- the front office under the bus for I I honestly can't remember I just remember sitting there watching him just blame everybody but himself for why the season was a failure and he was asked like well how do you feel you did and he said well I didn't average a triple double so it wasn't a successful season did you really say that earnestly 100% oh, said that uh so Pretty much, I mean, day one of the Lakers offseason was is the exit interview. So from day one, I was like, Oh boy, he just burned every bridge and he ain't coming back. So uh it was I, I worked under the expectation that he was not going to be coming back. And that's what the reports were pretty early on. But there have been so many teams and just kind of these waves of different types of trades that might be made and things of that nature that have come, but yeah. From the onset, I think everybody realized this was a mistake uh, and it wasn't going to work no matter how injured the Lakers were last season, even when they were healthy. It really wasn't something that showed a lot of promise, not enough to run it back. And so, yeah, I I had worked under the assumption that uh, from, yeah, from the exit interview that even Russ thought Russ wasn't coming back next season. that. <laughs>
1: wow that um i i actually didn't didn't realize it was it was that it was that clear clear cut in terms of what he was saying oh, yeah. uh so just so you are aware of like where I'm coming from from a Nick's perspective, and Andrew maybe actually you should jump in here because correct me if i'm wrong um there was a there were I'm not rumors, but in terms of like segment, a segment of the fan base, maybe even me at one point in time during a dark night uh, <laughs> in particular, that was like, hey, if they'll take Randall and Fournier for us, let's
2: just do that and buy them out. Was that like pre-trade deadline where that uh, people started talking that, about that? That's a Bobby Marks thing that he put out into the world right before the trade deadline. Okay. And it was with the thought that the Knicks get their point guard. What it's evolved into now, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've you've heard this part of it, is that, yes, Randall would be going back to the Lakers and it would be draft compensation that the Lakers would be giving up to help in a Donovan Mitchell trade. Russ wouldn't play a game for any of the teams involved yeah. in said deal. That's I, what it's evolved to now.
1: I, I remember the March thing uh, because I remember he went on uh Zach's Zach Lowe's podcast, uh, and was like, Oh, yeah, you know, sell some tickets to Madison Square Garden. And then, oh yeah, by the way, the Knicks would like get a pick out of it. But I think even before that, there were some fans who were like, Hey, let's
2: do this. There, there may or may not be a former Nick that hosts a podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network that also <laughs> suggested shout out to Channing Fry came on our pod and
1: advocated. <laughs> like, You guys should trade for Russ with the forget about any picks or anything,
3: just it like, was, trade for Trade for This will your
2: save the franchise yeah. and we respectfully let him say things. I don't know. Right, I, yes. I,
3: I disagree. I think you guys should go for it. Save hey. the franchise, no picks or anything. <laughs>
2: so, um,
1: so I, the reason I, I went down that little rabbit hole was I want to just let you know, this has been germ. The notion of this has been germinating in the fan base for, for a while. And now we've gotten to the point where, Obviously, Mark Stein, I think, had the report of a few days ago with uh, you know that the Lakers. I, how did you interpret? Let me let me ask you that. How did you interpret that report? Because I interpreted it as like it was clear that the Knicks and Jazz were talking, and then and the Lakers were trying to maybe get get in on it and see if they could benefit from it. Was that how you took it? Took it?
3: Yeah, I mean, the 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 positive with Russ, it, it's kind of a positive with a. Kind of asterisk. He is an expiring contract, which it has is. some some value. He is just an enormous <laughs> expiring contract, so it is really hard to um, just cobble enough to get uh, uh, cobble together enough salaries to just make that work. And so I could see the value there for uh, a team to trade for him, like Utah, because yeah. he's this big expiring, and they don't want long term money. That's why I thought for some reasons it made sense for the Knicks, but um, yeah, I Utah's a an odd one in the 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 package the like, Lakers were getting back. I, I don't know about it. It I, it feels like it would have been it would be right now like a, a third option for the off season. However, I don't know how viable any of the options really are. But it, it, well, let's I've, talk
1: about them. What in your mind? What are the the best or second best options?
3: Well, Kyrie. Uh is going to be the best option. It, it's still wild to me. I've said this a, a couple different times, but look at what they did on the court, uh, Kyrie and Russ last season. Um, oh yeah, it's it's wild that, that this even feels like it's somewhat possible because Kyrie is still an incredible basketball player with a ton of, of baggage, but still an absolutely incredible player, and Russ is not. So the <laughs> fact that the Lakers could go. From Russ to Kyrie, even if it costs draft picks, uh, is is crazy to me. So I I have that pretty clearly number one, uh, and then I would say the the Pacers the Pacers deal. I was going to ask you about the Pacers deal. Okay. yeah. yeah so what, that would and that, be,
1: and that was that Turner, Heald, and am I forget anybody.
3: No, it would be some variation of uh, Miles Turner, Buddy Heald for Russ and most likely two first round picks that seems, I mean, right now the holdup in earnestly, every kind of negotiation with the Lakers is that they do not want to include both first round picks that they can 2027 and 2029.
1: Can we stay uh, on that for a second? Cause I, yeah. again, from my perspective here in New York, I don't, I'm not out there and I don't, I don't hear obviously anything that you're hearing. I, I had been unclear about whether it was the Lakers were, like just didn't want to talk future draft picks at all, or but now you're saying it's like if they could get a deal that they l- l- like, kind of like the players coming back, they would do it for one of the picks. You think?
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. One of the picks has been on the table. Uh, the 2027, I believe, has been on the table in every discussion, but it's been uh, Russ 2027 and a couple second rounders because they they're just adamant they don't want to include. Two first rounders. I mean, ultimately kind of big picture. I think it's I would call their bluff. And I think it's the Lakers trying as long as they can to hold out and find a deal. Uh, because I don't think Russ, I I don't think you can bring Russ back on the team next. But yeah, no, the Lakers have been open to trading draft picks. It's just they've drawn this hard line in the sand for right now that they don't want to include both first round draft picks. And that's what has stopped the Kyrie trade. That's what stopped the buddy and miles Turner trade so far is an unwillingness to include the, uh, both the first round draft picks. they can, but I'll
1: just give my, my quick two cents, not that anybody really cares what I think about what the Lakers should do, but like I could, I could, I understand that argument. If we're talking about you guys getting whatever, whether it's Turner and healed or, you know, fucking Julius Randle and, and Derek Rose or Evan Fournier and uh, Bogdano, whatever, N- name any jazz pacer. Uh, you want to throw the Hornets in there? Like, you know, they were talked about as a possible roster. Like I get all that, but, and I say this with Kyrie Irving, as Andrew could tell you, m- my least favorite person in the NBA. Um, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. To uh, the nth degree um, as a basketball player, I, I do not care for him. Um, but we do our like periodically our championship, like equity power rankings in terms of like, not how like a team, what they're going to finish the regular season or this and that, like how likely are they to win the title? And if you guys got Kyrie, I would tell you right now, they would be, I don't, I mean, at least six, seventh in my, maybe higher. I don't know. Maybe I'm downplaying it. So like, I don't know. I, I'm surprised that if that's on the table that they wouldn't do that, but it, you know, I guess they don't want to.
3: Yeah. I, that's why I ultimately think it is a negotiating stance right now, because there's really no deadline for doing this. I mean, maybe by the start of training camp, but even then that's a month and a half away. Um, So there isn't really any urgency to do this. LeBron's extension could have been that if he played it a certain way, which it certainly doesn't seem like he is since it's been about a week since he could have signed the extension and, there just isn't any reports whatsoever, really, about it.
1: Um, I wanted to ask you about that too, because I mm-hmm. do, well, I'll ask you about it now. Do you think that any hesitancy? There is hesitancy on his his part if it's related to like putting pressure on the organization to do something with this Russ thing.
3: Uh, yeah, no, certainly. I, I mean, LeBron's been someone throughout his career that has kind of used his contract situation to. I don't want to say hold a front office hostage necessarily, but force them to make win now moves and force them to remain competitive. So, yeah, I certainly think that he is. This is that's kind of what he's doing right now. They met uh, on Thursday, last Thursday, when um, they when he first could have signed his extension. And it was the talks were positive and everything. And it's kind of an open dialogue moving forward. So I would imagine that. It, it was communicated then that like yeah I'm interested but you guys got to do something about Russ and and LeBron is through reports made it pretty clear he really wants Kyrie Irving. Um so I would imagine that he he's kind of holding out telling the Lakers look if you get Kyrie I'm signing on the dotted line right now. So um that's the only type of pressure the Lakers are working under and LeBron hasn't really turned that up yet he might as we get closer to the season if nothing has happened, but so far LeBron has just kind of sat back and it seems to be that there's this understanding that there's nothing um, no need to rush this right now. There's also the fact There've been a lot of reports that the Nets want to deal Kevin Duran or deal with that situation first before going on to Kyrie. And Lord knows that took multiple more uh, twists <laughs> this week. So uh it, it's just kind of the situation where there's really no no timeline and it's we're not really certain where. Um I mean, I guess training camp is the deadline right now to, I, to maybe get this done.
1: Like from our perspective with the because obviously we're we're dealing with the Stanford Mitchell thing over here, like I think. I think at this point, most Dick fans are like, okay, well, I guess training camp is like the next, de- like not deadline, official deadline, but like you know, unofficial yep. deadline. And there, and there's been you know various reporting out there that maybe you know that's that's when the pressure really gets on when they're on the doorstep of training camp. But like, it's just it when you think about it and you think about how these are, and I don't know if I've actually openly like phrased it this way, but like two of when you when you consider Durant and LeBron. Two of the, I don't know, three or four preeminent power players in the league, as far as like players mm-hmm. playing for. Well, one is playing for the marquee franchise, and the other is playing for a major franchise in a, in a major market. And then you have the Knicks, another major franchise in a major market, who're tied up in all this as well. And then you could throw in the Jazz and like a couple other, um, a couple other teams who who may get roped into this. It it is, it fe- but it does feel like there has to be a first domino, and I. I guess that's Durant, but I—I I mean, who knows? I don't—I don't know.
3: Yeah, and that's kind of been the—the the thing is that the—the—the the, the reports have said the Nets want to deal with Durant first, but I. Have no idea what's going to come of that, and I don't uh, think anyone does. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's oh, like yeah. we want to deal with Durant first, and it's like, what does that entail? Because like I don't know that there's going to be a conclusion to this before the season starts. So I don't know. I, The Lakers have a a much more uh, a, a sooner deadline than that. Uh, the Nets, really, I would imagine, are in no hurry to deal Durant but the Lakers are in a hurry ultimately to deal Russell Westbrook uh, before training camp starts. So it, it's just kind of been this for the Lakers and Nets the standoff since I guess the day free agency started is when, when Durant requested his trade and it all and it, it seemed like it was much more realistic for Kyrie to be a Laker since that day. That's just been the two sides kind of staring at each other, waiting for the, Like you said, the first domino to fall for somebody to make the first
4: move. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and The Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami,
1: So let's. I'm gonna live in my fantasy world for mm-hmm. a minute, and and you're gonna be forced to come with me. Uh, <laughs> Durant and and Josiah, uh they have more more high tea in London, and they they decide. <laughs> you know what? Let's. Fight. Uh, Joe Joe's like, uh, see you, Sean. See you, Steve. Uh, have a have a good one. Uh, it's your franchise, KD. So KD, whatever. There's no KD trade, and thus there is no Kyrie trade imminently. Then as the Lakers? Um, do you think? Because here's the thing with with the Donovan Mitchell thing is like a, a, it's putting Julius Randall's season last year aside, which was not great. Um, it's just too many guys on the on the court that would need the ball. So if they got Mitchell, it just makes so much sense to try to trade Randall. Except this front office doesn't trade guys at their lowest point in value, and they would look to try to trade him to, to someone that would value him. Do you think the Lakers would value Julius Randle? Um, I understand that's a dicey question, but I'll, I'll ask it anyway.
3: Yeah. I absolutely, I absolutely love Julius Randle. And he was kind of the first Laker to, to start off that rebuilding era. Lakers fans absolutely love Julius Randle. Unfortunately, the Lakers fans do not run the the front office and (laughs) the front office. Uh, they did not treat Julius Randall all that well on his way out uh, when he left Los Angeles, eventually went to new Orleans and, and whatnot. So that's always been, I don't know how much that matters. I mean, ultimately it's not really, it would not necessarily be his call. Like he, he may not have a choice and he would have to go to Los Angeles. Um, I don't know. It certainly didn't seem like he left on good terms. Uh, part, I mean, Magic Johnson was in the front office at the time, so maybe the Lakers just scapegoat Magic and say that was all his doing. And, and certainly he had his, uh, his mistakes along the way and whatnot. Um, so maybe, maybe that plays a part in it, but. I, it would be interesting to to get a sense of how much the Lakers do value Julius Randle. It would be in it, and it would be an interesting fit on the court. I, that's LeBron, what I, I Randle could Randle see it working,
1: right? Yeah, you know, because like Randle likes to. I mean, look, he's become obviously much more of a jump shooter the last few years. But last time he was with you guys, and when he was with New Orleans, like he went to his office down down low, mm-hmm. and he had more looks at the in the restricted area over those two years last year with the Lakers and one year in New Orleans than just about any player in basketball. So like, I, and I know AD is not a floor spacer in the traditional sense, but like I could see there being enough room to operate. Right.
3: Yeah. And they're both plenty good enough ball handlers as well that yeah. they can play on the perimeter. And Darvin ham came in and spoke about wanting to play a more spread out kind of four out one end type of offense and something similar to what they've done in, in Milwaukee. And so it would make sense in that front. Uh, You could either have AD or Randall kind of as the one in and it could change from, from possession to possession, even. So I could see there being a blueprint forward working. It'd be a, a bit of a clunky fit at times. Maybe, I don't know, maybe against certain lineups, if it, if you could close with it, you would also, I mean, the holdup forever has been whether AD really wants to play center. He yeah. he did bulk up last season and came into training camp with the expectation of playing center. And then Frank Vogel kind of zagged and, and he really loved those two big lineups that, I mean, to his credit, won them a title. But then it resulted in AD being kind of bulked up as a center playing power forward and that kind of ruined his, his jumper. And that's why it looked atrocious last year and whatnot. But I mean, ultimately AD has expressed a willingness to play center when required. Um, he certainly doesn't love it, but I mean, the Lakers also have a couple centers, traditional centers on the roster as well. So I could see it, it. I could see where it would work. Um, I, I, I just really it's hard to answer how much the Lakers front office values Randall, though, ultimately, because, I mean, when they had the chance to even just keep him on a qualifier or on a as a restricted free agent, they just said no, which might have been them kind of letting him free and go to a team that he wanted and, and whatnot. But I mean, it, it didn't end on the greatest term, so I don't know how much they value him. I still remember. I remember it was an afternoon when
1: it hit the news hit that they were just I, I forget if they actually rescinded his call, whatever it was, when yep, he became an did. understricted free agent. I was like, man, Julius Randle's like, it, he wasn't my cup of tea back then, but I was like, Julius Randle's good. Like, that's very strange. They and he had they, uh,
3: they rescinded his qualifying offer and then immediately spent almost, almost that amount, I think, or something right around there on Rajon Rondo. Oh and God. we were like, oh, dear God, what is Happening now, ultimately, Rajon Rondo played a huge role in the Lakers yes. playoffs winning the title. So, ultimately, like Rondo kind of backed his way into becoming this fan favorite playoff Rondo. But yeah, in the moment, we're like, like I said, Lakers fans loved Randall. They, I mean, the writing was on the wall that the Lakers probably weren't going to keep him, but you kind of hoped like maybe they can work out something. And then it came out, I, I remember as well one afternoon that I mean, really back to back, it was the Lakers have resented Julius Randle's qualifying offer. The Lakers are signing Rajon Rondo to a one-year deal, and it was like, "Oh boy, wow, we're really <laughs> going in a different direction here, aren't we?" Like life
1: comes at you fast. Um, yeah, I mean, so that so that was the biggest question I had for you. I guess the other part of it in my mind that's interesting is, like, I guess I should ask you about Evan Fournier. Do you, mm-hmm. you have any interest? Like Evan Fournier, I keep saying it until uh, someone yells at me enough to stop. More three pointers than anyone basketball after January first of last year. Good percentage, like not the highest degree of difficulty, but like not easy shots either. Like, do you think you guys would be interested in another, you know, a kind of a shooter like that?
3: I mean, yeah, because we talked earlier about the Lakers off season, which I ultimately do like, but they did not get shooting in the least bit, no. uh, and they, I not even sure I could tell you who the Lakers best. LeBron might be the Lakers best three-point shooter right now oh and uh, so that been I mean the Lakers have said that they need to get shooting again this is kind of steps away they think they can get buddy healed for a on rust package if it came down to it Eric Gordon is a name talked about a lot as a, a player that they could swap Taylor and Horton Tucker for something along those lines so there are ways the Lakers have talked about needing shooting, but that sense. Yeah. I think they would uh, like Evan Fournier, the player, the other kind of underlying issue, which I don't know how the Lakers have said, they don't want to take back long-term contracts, which like good luck ever getting rid of Russ. If that's the case, I think that again is them kind of bluffing right now. And that's what you would say when you want as much leverage as you can. Um, But yeah, the Lakers, don't have a ton of wings and don't have any sort of shooting. And that's two things that Evan Fournier is or does. So, yeah, I think they would have interest in uh, Fournier. I mean, there are guys that the Lakers have had interest in as well. Derek Rose has been someone that... oddly the Lakers front office has desired for like years and years. So I, I would assume, I just kind of assumed if there's ever a trade with the Knicks, that that Derek Rose is going to be in it as well, because they I was, wanted him forever. Yeah.
1: I, I was going to bring up Rose. And then there's the guy who's actually in the report last week, which is Cam Reddish, who yeah. um, I, I'll be absolutely honest with you until you said the word wings. I was like, Oh yeah, I should probably ask him about cam. The guy who's been linked to the freaking Lakers since the trade deadline—it um, was
3: before that, even. We were linked to him when he was in Atlanta. Again, another one. I, I, I this one I really don't understand. I, I, I get I,
1: Rose to be clear. Just show you. I, I, mm-hmm. I want to make that clear. Ro, Derek Rose is freaking awesome. When he's healthy, he has been essentially the best player on the Knicks. Um, and but Cam is still figuring out what it means to be Cam Reddish.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, I. <laughs> I watched Duke. I remember when that uh, when he came up with that team. I w- years ago. I was a Duke fan. I, I kind of stopped following college basketball. That was one of the last teams I watched, and uh, I remember then just kind of how frustrating he was uh, at Duke, and then comes to the NBA and kind of has continued that. But throughout, almost like really since the draft, like, kind of the pre-draft part of. Uh, I can't remember what year he was in the draft, but he
1: three years ago. So th- th- he's entering his fourth season. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So the Lakers had talked to him then, and they've always liked him. Uh, they talked uh, with Atlanta, I think a couple times, but certainly before he was dealt to the Knicks, they were, they had tried to trade for him at Atlanta. And then there was the trade at the deadline that uh potentially that was yep. discussed the, the, with Toronto and, and whatnot. And then his name came up back again uh last week, as you said. So yeah, the two names I would be almost certain would be in the trade would be Derrick Rose and Cam Reddish. I don't know what that brings it to money wise, but you can kind of build out the rest from there. But yeah, there like there are names the Lakers have liked on the Knicks and which is why I think there is a path to a trade there. But um yeah, those two, for whatever reason, have been oh, yeah less so Derek Rose, but uh, have been guys the Lakers have have wanted for a while.
2: I mean,
1: it was a cup of coffee, but Rose did play with LeBron, you know, briefly for that state in Cleveland. Cleveland. I think yep. I, at that point, I think Rose was still transitioning. That's rude. Figuring out what it meant what it meant to be <laughs> Derek Rose post you know, all of the injuries and then Mm -hmm. he kind of, it really kind of clicked for him in Minnesota. And then obviously um, again, when he's been on the court, he's, I can't say a bad thing about Derek Rose this, this time around. Um, So, you know, let, let's wrap up with this. I, I, there are a lot of names, I think of players that currently play in New York that in some way, shape or form would make sense on the Lakers. And then you have the jazz who, We know what Danny Ainge wants. He wants picks. He wants distant picks. He wants distant picks from a team that he thinks might suck when those picks convey why I think he's dying to do a deal with the Knicks. And that's why I think he would value the hell out of whether it's (laughs) 27, a 28 swap or whatever. Like there's so much there that it just, it makes sense to me that there's a deal here to be made. And I'm, I, I like, I know they say like two the more teams you get involved in a trade the more complicated it is the less likely it is happening that's why most trades are just two teams I get that but there just seems to be a lot there and the other part of it and this is what I kind of want to finish up with is like what what is I mean we I guess we went through plan A B C what is plan D with I mean do they do they John Wall him do they buy him I, I don't I literally just have no idea is, is there a plan D
3: Yeah well it seems like there is now because uh the agent he recently hired is Jeff Schwartz who is the buyout mastermind uh he uh, Kimba Walker baby yeah exactly i was <laughs> going to say he he's negotiated a couple buyouts for Kimba Walker um, Andre Drummond. I don't have the full list in front of me. I think Blake Griffin. Um, he he has negotiated all sorts of buyouts. So uh, that has been a, that was another thing in the middle of all this is Russ firing his agent, <laughs> presumably because his agent said or was of the belief that uh, he didn't need to be bought out and. Russ fired him. So that kind of gave you a sense of where Russ's thought process was on coming back to the Lakers. And then you hired Jeff Schwartz and it, it becomes pretty clear that it doesn't seem like Russ wants to come back either. So I would say plan D if the Lakers are entirely unable to, to move him at all. Um, I mean, it seems like a buyout at this point of some sort. And uh, so I, that would which be gets the
1: Lakers no spending power. Yeah. Yeah, this that's year. what I was going
3: to say. That would be really <laughs> tough because to get absolutely nothing for him, I don't know, I think I don't I think they would John Wall him before like going into the season because he's still this expiring contract yeah. and they would wait as long as possible to trade him because yeah, getting absolutely nothing for him and buying him out is worst case scenario. And like you said, it gives them no spending power this year. Um, They wouldn't even have enough cap space for a max uh, offer next summer. So it it really does the Lakers no good to get absolutely nothing for Russ, but I've I mean nothing I really don't know like nothing about this has went according to plan in the year russ has been a laker so no. uh maybe that's just destiny to to have this play out into the season and and then you kind of add in that as long as Russ is kind of around and the Lakers haven't done anything with them is LeBron going to wait to sign an extension Mm -hmm. and, and create that distraction. So, uh, I mean, I, as I was saying earlier, I don't think there's urgency right now on the Lakers, but that pressure is going to turn up real quick. Once the, the season gets underway, if, if Russ is still on the team and if LeBron hasn't signed a, an extension,
1: I I lied one last one, very quick though. Mm In the, on opening night in the year of our Lord, 2022, Russell Westbrook. Let's actually make it more fun. Let's say he gets bought out by somebody. What team do you think is, is going to be like, oh. we want us some Russ, baby? So I've thought about this and I don't have an answer.
3: <laughs> I earnestly don't either. It's It's been a discussion we've kind of had is what team would actually play Russell Westbrook? Because as we've said, like, if you're trading for Russ, you're trading for Russ as an expiring contract. You're not trading for any on-court production. And I kind of equate it to what Mello kind of had to go through where, yeah, he... I mean Melo had to sit out of the league for a year to come to the realization that he couldn't play the way he had always played and Russ is as stubborn as they come when it comes to how he wants to play and there is no sacrifice there's no changing that uh that's why I kind of I appreciate what Darvin Ham has said in his couple months as uh NBA head coach but the idea that he's going to be the one to convince Russ to be this off ball cutter that can play defense and, and commit to all that is great in theory, but in practice, he would be the nth, Nth coach however many that have asked him to do that, asked Russ to do that. And it's never amounted to anything in the past. So I've kind of scoffed at that idea. Russ is going to be, I mean, Russ is Russ like, it's literally the moniker let Russ be Russ. And I don't think any team wants to let Russ be Russ in 2022. (laughs) So uh, I mean, the idea of him coming off the bench is going to be a non-starter to him too, because uh, it was a non-starter with the Lakers last season. Frank Vogel didn't bench him because he was afraid it would just entirely, it would be an entire lost cause. So uh, he doesn't want to come off the bench. So, I don't know if he's on a roster on opening day <laughs> opening night this upcoming season. I think there's going it's Amazing. Yeah, there's going to have to be a little bit of a self-realization that you're not the player you once were and you're going to have to uh kind of change some things up. Maybe an injury happens and there's a situation that that comes available that Russ can step in and be something like himself, but the way he plays is uh, it's it's just not efficient, and it's not what what teams are looking for out of a point guard anymore. And he's this fascinating enigma that uh has some some moments still, like he still can be a really good player, but he has to do it in a specific type of way that he has no interest in doing. so it's a it's a wild thought, but yeah, I mean, I I would be a little surprised. I know OKC people like the reunion story of that, but oh. they are not going to bring him in and put the ball in his hands over Shea or anything. So no. the only way that would work is if he's coming off the bench, but uh, I don't think he would like that. So it would I it would have to be some type of tanking team that... Try to sell tickets? Yeah. That, I mean, maybe Utah, depending on how much they blow things up, but I can't. <laughs> Danny just, Ainge going along with that. So I don't, man. I, I I really don't know that he's going to be on a team on opening night.
1: It's crazy. To, I I can't yeah. disagree. It's yeah. it's nuts though. Um, this was fun. Anything else we did? Anything I forgot about? Anything we didn't cover between these two storied franchises? <laughs> one I, that has I, seventeen championships and one that has not not seventeen
3: championships. <laughs> no, I, yeah, it's been a a wild off season that. Yeah, it, it's lasted forever and somehow there's still another month and a half to go mm-hmm. of this. So uh, and like I like we said, I don't know that anything's happening quickly. So I guess buckle up and well, yeah, buckle for, up. A, for, a, <laughs> for a long ride, I guess. Um,
1: oh, let's end with uh, Andrew. Why don't you uh, pop in and finish us up here?
3: Well,
2: I just a question to put you on the spot predict what will happen. Uh, is Kyrie on your team on opening night? Is, is Buddy Heald and Miles Turner on your team opening night? Is Julius Randle and or Cam
3: Reddish and or Derek Rose on your team opening night? Um, I had to guess right now. I think I would still say Kyrie um, because I do ultimately think that the Lakers would put a second first round pick in there. The the report, the holdup had to do with the Lakers being kind of willing to do it, but then they wanted like Seth Curry back. And it, uh, that one seems the furthest along in negotiation. So I would probably say Kyrie Irving would be the favorite, probably Buddy and Miles after that. Just the, I love Buddy. I love Miles. The idea of giving up two first round picks for them is a little, a little tough to swallow, but, uh, I would say Kyrie's the favorite, then Buddy and Miles, then I don't know after that. There, there's it's, any number of things. It could be some package from Utah, it could be some package from from New York. There's a there's a lot of things that could happen after that.
1: But you nailed it when you're like it all it just it all comes back to KD. It all comes yeah. back to KD and it all comes back to somebody. I I agree with you. I think somebody needs to trade for Kevin Durant first. And I just
3: mm-hmm. I don't see that trade out there in I, at all. Austin?
1: They're the betting that I saw today. I'm sure you guys saw too. The they're minus, they're like better than even money right now yeah. to if, if he gets traded. So if you're
2: Brooklyn, know. why are you not? I mean, we we've John and I have talked about this at length yeah. on our Patreon pod. If the whole point of trading of like we're not trading Kevin Durant is that we still we don't want to lose this trade and we want somebody to build around so we're not like ass afterwards, right? And you can get Jalen Brown, who was just the second best player on a team that made the finals. You can get Robert Williams, who was a difference maker in most of those That's a rumor trade.
1: I I might have some hesitation if I was busted oh, on
2: that. So if I, I, was here, Boston, tie- I would be like, so it could be Kevin Durant and
3: Marcus Smart. Okay, Jacob, you end. doing you doing Jalen and and uh, Time Lord? Oh, um, that is, I don't know that I could do hardly anything else if I was Boston than that, because that's a lot, but I would probably prefer doing Jalen and Marcus smart, but it's Kevin Durant. So ultimately I think I would do it. It would hurt a little bit more, but as a Lakers fan, I really do not want Kevin Durant on the Sussex. Like that. that
2: See, I, uh, I, I shouldn't. Say John, that. we just went through an entire offseason no. b- before the Mitchell Robinson extension where we were like, look at all these other centers that could just plug in place. <laughs> and Time Lord's the difference maker in a Kevin Durant <laughs> trade. <laughs> no, I'm, I value what he does too. I'm yeah. just saying, like, we're getting Kevin Durant. Yeah,
3: that yeah. that's ultimately what it would come down to me is like, he's a, it's like tough to swallow, but ultimately you're getting a guy who, I mean, I think his game's going to age perfectly fine. So he's going to be able to contribute for a long time. And when he's healthy and playing, he's MVP level.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, there's no, there's no question about that. Um, Well, we will continue to sit here with our popcorn
2: and, uh, (laughs) (laughs) and watch from afar. uh, I have a question Mm -hmm. from our, from, so we, for our Patreon, we, that's where we talk about non Nick stuff. We talk about outside the NBA stuff. And John just did his power rankings. Who, in your opinion, is currently the third best player on the Lakers?
3: Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were um, stumped. It was Malik Monk, probably. Right. So um, now, yeah. like,
2: we went through the roster and we we're like, whoa,
3: hold on. Uh, Lord, that is. I. Uh, I hadn't put a lot of thought into that. Right. Um, <laughs> that is, yeah. it's tough right now. I, yeah, I'm not sure what the answer would be. Wow. Uh, so like we did
2: a, we did a duos draft where it was like drafting the best duos in the NBA. You could double up and take like two from one, two from the same team. Um, So you end up with like four players getting drafted and uh, Ad and LeBron went fourth in the draft. Like, I took so them, right? The, yeah. You took yeah, them. Took so them. the top heaviness of the Lakers commands the respect of they're not like a team that's gonna finish in the lottery if they solve the Russell Westbrook oh. problem. But <laughs> I genuinely don't under I, I I tried to be like who's the best player out of the Lakers? And it, it's almost confirming my suspicions about how much they need to do a Kyrie deal. That's a good, that that's a good question. A Lakers expert
3: also doesn't know the best player I Lakers. mean I'm looking at the roster and I it earn it like is it Taylor Horton Tucker? Yeah, that's Talon Horton Tucker or maybe a healthy Kendrick Nunn, who is just a complete mystery to Lakers fans right now after last season. Um, Lord, I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is that's not that is a fascinating question because that is not one that I had thought about yet this offseason. Mm, uh, there's I,
1: a free article idea for you. Before I let you go, uh, Jacob, just let the folks uh listening know where they could find you and your stuff.
3: Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, it's just at Jacob kept it real simple for you. And then yeah, I I do uh Silver Screen and Roll, writer over there, podcaster over there and I mean I don't think I do locked on Hoosiers for locked on network. I don't think there's any Hoosiers on the Knicks right now. Your
2: head coach. Yeah,
1: I was about to say just Well, Mike Woodson is the Woody. connection
3: there. Yeah, yeah, Mike Woodson has been amazing at IU. We we absolutely love him there. So, uh but outside of that, I I I mean it's a pretty big connection, but I don't know if there's any others right now, but yeah, we uh I host Locked on Hoosiers if you guys want to hear about what how Mike Woodson's doing over at Indiana.
1: Listen. If you want to talk about a guy who has a pretty unanimous approval rating within the <laughs> no. Knicks fan base, like there, listen. There's this. If there's if you're someone connected with the Knicks, there's, there's probably a segment of the Knicks fan base that doesn't like you. I don't know of anybody who doesn't like Mike Woodson. Mike Woodson's awesome.
3: Yeah, everybody at IU loves him right now too. So he just has great approval ratings everywhere right there now. There
1: you go. Uh, shout out to Woody. Jacob, you're man. Thanks so much for coming on, bud.
3: Yep. I appreciate it.
1: All right. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I am fascinated to see how this all turns out. Just as a basketball fan, how are you not fascinated to see how this all turns out? Because something has to give.
2: Right? Right, Andrew. Something has to give. Something. Something I, has to give. When so that that something might happen could be a while, which makes content creators like us kind of just, sitting here and waiting and going on vacations and whatnot, but yes, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Do you want to take your victory lap by the way? What, what victory lap is that? For those of you that listen to the KFS Patreon podcast, John said weeks ago, I don't see Russell Westbrook on a team next year. This is going to be like the Carmelo Anthony situation. And I did it, that, didn't I? it did click for me like, Oh wow. John might be right. If Russ gets traded and bought out, who is, lining up for Russell Westbrook. And now it has been echoed by someone that has never listened to a chaos Patreon pod. Yeah. I you just, know? I don't,
1: I, I, I've, I've literally gone through every team in my head as I'm sure Jacob has. And uh, I just don't, I don't see the team for whom, I mean, there are teams that make sense to bring in a version of Russell Westbrook who is ready, willing and able to come off the bench and contribute 15 to 20 minutes a game in a certain way. Uh, but that would be, entail believing that Russell Westbrook is ready to do that. And I didn't believe it then. And I sure as shit don't believe it now after hearing
2: what Jacob had to say. So it's why the mellow comp is so I guess accurate because mellow did have to go take some time away and kind of realize he's a different player now. There's also I mean not to go full mellow stand here. There was some Daryl Morey like uh, what's the conference he has every year. Oh uh, Sloan yeah, there was like a Sloan Conference movement of like, here's why Carmelo Anthony's bad. And that's why no one wanted to sign him. But, you know, he also had to adjust that he's not the focal point of an offense anymore. And Ross would have to go and do that. The know? differences and what made that
1: kind of strange was, and why I don't think, I, I think it had to do with non basketball reasons, um, is Melo could shoot. Yeah, off, um, he's like a
2: tremendous softball player. Yeah, you know, I mean, he—I mean, I don't know, I forget what he shot last year, but he shot the hell the lights out of the ball. His highest um, career effective field goal percentage, yeah. Sean. There yeah. you go. I love how you still follow this stuff with him. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: anyway, yeah, uh, Carmelo Anthony, good basketball player. Russell Westbrook, perhaps not so much anymore. Yeah. That
2: um, I will, last, thing, I know you got to run. That yeah. was kind of fascinating to hear from Jacob. The oh my god, the burned bridges about Russ's exit me- exit meeting, and how. I didn't even realize how it's not even just that we might want the Knicks to trade for Russell Westbrook so they can buy him out. It's that Russell Westbrook might want to be traded and bought out. Oh, he that I I didn't realize that that was, I didn't realize it was that far down the road. I thought there was actually some like Frank Vogel's gone. Now we're back to championship aspirations with the Lakers.
1: You know? No, I I think that was made clear when, When uh, he, when his agent, when his agent fired him Mm -hmm. or when they, whatever, when they parted ways and then um, his former agent um, wrote that letter, which, you know, said like, I've told Russ, if you get traded, you're going to get bought out. I think, I think Russ knows exactly what's happening. Um, He just, he wants it, which, you know godspeed uh but those are west coast problems we are fine <laughs> over here thank you again for listening to another episode of the next film school podcast please don't forget if you dig the show leave us a five-star rating uh, a kind review and of course subscribe tell other people to subscribe that stuff all helps us out uh we will be back with another episode coming your way on friday and then of course uh th- Third pick draft, right? That's what we're up to. Third pick draft Third pick coming your way after the uh, after the weekend. Uh until then, take care. Talk to you pretty soon.